three, two, one. What's going on, folks? Welcome to 34 Questions. I'm your host, 34, and today I am joined by Lane Raspberry is in the building. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. Never better. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for, for stopping by. Thank you for making time to come on and share your story. Definitely appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate what you're doing, interviewing so many people. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely talk. You gave me a little backstory of what you do. Um, well, let's start off with there. Uh, you edit Wikipedia. That's that's one of the th- one of the many things you do. Yeah, I do. You could say that I'm an archivist. I'm an educator. I'm putting information on Wikipedia for general public benefit. I happen to work at a university, but I'd be editing Wikipedia anyway. For sure. When did you start doing that? Was was that something you you like early adopted Wikipedia when it first you know was becoming known, or was it something that you kind of jumped into a little bit afterwards? I, I was early. I first edited Wikipedia when I was an undergraduate in university. I was trying to use Wikipedia to study for my classes. I saw there was an edit button. I edited it also. So this was in the in the mid two thousands. I've been editing Wikipedia for a while now. That's crazy, man. Because uh, you know, I'm I'm a user of Wikipedia just to as casually, <laughs> um, and some here and then. I, I think I remember one time trying to edit, uh, but you know, like I don't think it was for me necessarily. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I appreciate people like you out there doing the work that needs to get done for us to have you know the most up to date information and just reliable information. Sometimes, you know. Hey, there's some people who edit Wikipedia. You're a different kind of content creator. You're producing what's called original content. And so <laughs> original content, there would be no Wikipedia. I, I can so. imagine. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, someone's eventually going to research your show. You know, look at look at how the time was. What was what were people's lives like, and then use this as a, a source of research. I, I hope so, man. Thank you for those kind words. You know, uh, it's, it's good to put that out into the universe. Um, definitely appreciate you helping me manifest something like that happening. Um, yeah, yeah, it's funny how like having a Wikipedia page is almost like a status symbol uh, for a lot of folks. It's just like, oh, yeah, I'm so I've reached to the point where people care, <laughs> care enough to make this page about me. <laughs> but yeah, one day, one day. Um, for sure. Well, uh, for the folks out there who are unfamiliar with the show, we do some intro questions, some warm-up questions just to set the tone. Um, after that, we'll jump into the main portion where we go choose a number between 1 and 34. And after that, we have the final stretch where we do some closeout questions. Sound good to you, Lane? That sounds great. A lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, my very first question for you, man, is how have you been? You've been doing well. You've been doing great. How you been lately? Really, never better and better every day. Uh, It's strange times. I know there's a lot of tension in the world. I've been very fortunate. Like I said, I'm at a university. It can be a happy environment there, and it's certainly happy for me. And I love my city, love the people around me. Doing all right here. Definitely happy to hear that, man. You know, not everybody is always having a good time, so it's refreshing to hear people when, you know, they're in a place where they're happy. Um, You've been working at the university throughout your whole career or is it something new for you? Uh, I've been in and out of universities throughout my career. I've done research at different times and stepped away from the university at different times. Nowadays, I've been at this university going on four years. I'm in a place called the University of Virginia in beautiful Charlottesville, Virginia. I came in the midst of some chaos, perhaps you heard a few years ago. There was a a protest here in Charlottesville. Mm. 
<laughs> and uh, a lot of a lot of social tension, a lot of unhappiness in the community actually over some historical monuments related to the Civil War in the United States, the Confederacy. So I got hired in the in the context, or I got my appointment in the context of how can this community share information, people be more empowered to share information online, to say good things about the community, good things about the, the history here. And it's just a coincidence, but a couple of weeks ago, those monuments, the city removed those monuments from this, this city after four years of protest. We're talking about Civil War generals, uh, figures associated with uh, slavery, and those symbols are out of this community as of, as of this month, July 2021. Wow. Yeah, that's that is a big topic. Um, do you mind sharing kind of your opinion on it? Like, how do you feel uh, about, you know, that the stuff that we're doing where it's not I don't think we're changing history, but we're definitely, you know, just removing things that we don't think is uh, is right, even though it happened. Like, how, how do you feel about that? There's a lot of monuments in the United States, and you can look at other cultures too, a lot of monuments to slavery and oppression, but it's very hard to find monuments celebrating the oppressed people. And when somebody's telling this history, this history isn't the, the, the truth that comes out of nature or society, somebody wrote this story. And in the story that they wrote, they said, the people who supported slavery are the ones who deserve monuments. And the people who were experiencing slavery were not the ones who deserved monuments. So I, I don't feel like we're rewriting history. I don't feel like we're changing history. I feel like we as a society, we're looking to what are our values? What do we respect? And what is the story we want to tell? And by removing the monuments, we're doing a better job of, of communicating the values of our community. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, for me, I just come at that crossroads because, you know, I would... These things happen, and it's important that those there's a reason why those folks had their monuments built after them. Um, I might not agree with them. I might not like the whole reasoning why they're celebrated, but you know, I also don't want to you know, just kind of shut, like, close my eyes to that part of history, you know, and um, just pick and choose what what I want to see or hear. So yeah, for for me personally, it, I, I don't think I've <laughs> I've settled on on a position on it yet. And there's just there's a lot more thinking that I got to do about it what I feel like is right. I almost want to say that all the monuments we disagree about could be put in the same area and kind of designated as like th this is what what this part of history and then maybe build monuments on people that were oppressed just so we could kind of build that up as <laughs> i don't know it sounds like a lot of work and i know everyone has their own opinions on it but we, we need to remember the story whatever the case no no one's saying forget but we got to tell a story for sure for sure uh moving on to some more warm-up questions this next one is what would you like the audience to know about you you kind of described you know your job and stuff but you know outside of that what would you like them to know about you? I'd like them to know that I'm trying to tell my own story and that someone's not going to tell my story for me. Uh, just like with these monuments, these monuments are out there and then different people can tell a story about it. And sometimes these monuments have been stories of the, the people in power saying that the people in power deserved to have their power. It was right that they had their power. They're going to do this and this with it. And then as time goes on, people are using these monuments to tell a different story. When I 
my, my life. So there, there's going to be this video. You're going to put it online, and people are going to interpret this in different ways. And I can't see. No matter what I say, I can't determine how people are going to going to be interpreting my life. But I do know who I want to interpret it. I want it to be interpreted by viewers, average people. I don't want my story to be told by, say, a corporation. You 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 publish in uh, the platform of a, a major media company. No one can escape big media these days, and they're telling a different a, a certain story about things. And I feel like the power of these media platforms, the big people who are making the media, it should be the public citizens, individuals talking to other individuals, and not say corporations telling people what to think. So. I, I don't care what people say about me. I just want it to be a discourse, and I I just don't want to be a corporate product. For sure. Well, I can guarantee that for you on, on this show. There's definitely no corporate sponsorships. <laughs> um, but yeah, that. So, talking about the media, I'm a big consumer of media. Um, mm. Just be not in the sense of the the news news cycle but uh you know i just like stories so mm. anything that gets put on as a tv show or movie i'm gonna check it out uh do you think that there there's like how much of those stories are being controlled like you know i like to think that they're original there's you know there's purpose there's heart behind it versus you know a corporation saying oh we're gonna make a lot of money off this story you know <laughs> um so yeah do you think there, there's still some heart in media or is it just you know for for the dollar signs you know I'll tell you that it's, it's getting more and more corporatized. I, I'll just tell the the Charlottesville story again. So when this went to the news, there were these protests about the the monuments, and every major TV network and news organization came to this little town of forty thousand people. So there was national news, and even international journalists came here to tell the story. There's so many ways that a corporation would tell a local news story that the local people would would tell it a different way and there's so much complexity that's lost in it i'll tell something that's very obvious and, and non-controversial from the perspective of local people here there were multiple monuments that were controversial several statues uh, city parks that were named after people associated with slavery but when the the national and international media came here in all their stories they said there was only one statue that was controversial so that's a, a simple objective statement of fact and th their problem was they just didn't want to have to list off all the statues and all the controversies that's not interesting for the news story they just picked the, picked the one statue that was main but from the perspective of local people here these different statues had a different perspective this one meant something to this neighborhood and a certain kind of people live in that neighborhood and this one's been near the university so it's been part of student history the way that local people would tell a story and any news story it's it's always going to be if you print it out on paper it's going to be one paper page but <laughs> to get that one paper page you have 200 pages of interviews that have content that just doesn't make the cut so anytime you lack local journalists local news coverage and individuals telling local stories you're missing a lot of the story you just can't get the full story from a from a national news corporation sure i wholeheartedly agree with you um you so you got there to the university you said about four years ago when yes so yes. from the time you got there to to you know the statues just being taken down recently, like how has have you seen the community change, if 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 at all? 
I could say something else. So these statues, they've been in, in national news coverage, maybe every three months, maybe every six months, somewhere or another. So we had this complicated political situation in the United States for the, for the past few years, people talking about race and tension and uh, protest and th these kinds of things. Uh, it, it would appear in national news regularly, but from the local community's perspective, major news stories every week. So we've been talking about these monuments every week since since the big riot uh, ha happened. And mm. now, now that these statues are removed, we're open for some peace. Well, peace and reconciliation. Reconciliation. You know, just cal calm the environment, still tell the story, but just reconcile things. I'm just curious, uh, did it feel like the community was kind of split on it? Or was there one side that was overwhelmingly, you know, more supported than the other? The side in favor of the statues didn't appear in public so much, or they would get heckled or shamed. Everyone that I would see in public, just about all the students, anyone who spoke out was in favor of removing the statues. We were also in favor of due process and to have, to have these statues removed the legal way because it could have been a riot. People could have just rioted and destroyed the statues and nobody wanted that kind of violence in the community. We wanted things to go through a process with community discussion for everybody to have their say and everybody to have an, an opportunity to speak and think about things. Uh, but when the statues were gone, many people felt, okay, we've come to consensus. This is what's right for our community. And now the statues are taken away and it's a relief. I do feel, I do feel bad that it could happen. Somebody's got a legitimate view for keeping these statues keeping these monuments, and then they're scared to speak out in public. And definitely, I, I think that can happen to the environment. And that's not what anyone wants. We want a civil, friendly discourse, and for everybody to put every idea on the table so that it can get fair consideration. Uh, I wish that it was as balanced as you, you imagined, that there could always be a debate. When somebody's advocating for one thing, that there would be another group of people to intelligently and peacefully give the counterpoint but in the case of charlottesville especially the, the the riot injured people the riot killed killed someone uh there was uh, an outpouring of support for removing the statues in that context i gotcha i gotcha yeah i mean i think that's what we're all hoping for or working towards is just being having being able to have opposing views have that yes. peaceful discourse but yes. um yeah, I don't know. I feel like the biggest challenge is that so much emotion gets wrapped up sometimes that, you know, I think as people, we already have a problem with being patient. So wanting to see change or wanting to see, you know, um, the action we've been talking about, waiting it through is it always feels like... Um, you know, can push some people to do some drastic things. So I'm glad to hear Charlottesville was able to keep the peace <laughs> and, uh, you know, not, not go over the tipping point. But, uh, all right, let's move on to the vibe check. You are the second person to ever do this part. Um, let me know if the, the phrasing is a little fuzzy on your end, but I'll talk it out with you as well. Uh, there's four little scales out here, um, and they're just different views people can take and the first one is being open-minded or closed-minded. For yourself, do you feel like you're more open or more closed? I wish I was as open-minded as could be. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that 
I'm at least halfway and trying trying to be more open. <laughs> doing my best. For sure. Uh, what do you think is the last thing that you had to, you know, you proactively kept your open, kept your mind open about? Gosh, uh, I'm at a university. There's people from every country and every culture here. Uh, people from all kinds of backgrounds. Every everybody wants to participate in things. Uh, sometimes when you're having discussions about what kind of programs are the, is the university going to have? Uh, who do we prioritize? Who gets benefits from the programs and who doesn't? So you always have to make hard decisions where some people have access to resources and some people don't. And it's always hard to hear about a minority, some group saying, you know, we'd like to organize, we'd like to do things. We've never had a chance. Can you, can you give us a chance with some money to, to try some that kind of new project? And you got to make a hard decision. You know, how many how many of these bets do you make where you give some groups the resources and when do you make the tough decisions to say, you know, this isn't your year and maybe your year is not going to be for a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard, hard things to make. I'll, I'll tell you a typical university situation. Do you want to hire the person who is a researcher and they have a lot of credentials and they work with the military and they can bring in a lot of money? and they work with corporations they can bring in money from there too and they have just all these credentials and they've been very successful and financed in their career but you also don't like their ethics and you imagine if you bring in this person with the money maybe they're going to do some questionable things but then you can use that money to hire the hire the good people that you want to do the activism all right alternatively you can just go out and hire the activist this person doesn't get the corporate sponsorship they don't get the military contracts. You know you can trust them. They're going to do the right thing. But they're also not going to bring in money to hire more people like them. Or at least that's that's certainly not guaranteed. How do you make that kind of decision? And this comes up over and over again in the university. Uh, that's a tough decision that I've had to make several times recently. Uh, I feel for you. I, feel for, I don't know how you do it. I don't think I could. Um, and yeah, I, I mean... You know, I, I believe that you made the right decision, you know, for yourself and for, for the people that you work with. Uh, I don't doubt that. Um, yeah, I, I just know that those are hard decisions to make. That's why <laughs> that's why you make them and I don't, <laughs> I think. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you the secret. So not everyone can do this, but just always vote for the activist. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, that's what's up. That's what's up, man. I know you probably had a lot of opposing um opposing voices you know trying to make you choose choose the other side but uh i think it's important that that you made those decisions because if anything you know even though the activists may not be able to bring in the money it just it gets the ball rolling you know like it's that that energy and that type of person could just continue to grow it without the money and it's more organic so it could be stronger you know so yeah well I know it's early, so, you know, down the line, you'll probably see the fruits of your choices, you know, come up. And I hope you get that get that chance one day. Uh, the second scale is, are you more of a deep thinker or do you like to stay on the on the surface of things? Surface, I'm, I'm a pretty shallow person. So I'm at a point in my in my career and my activities where I'm trying to support other people in making decisions. Uh, I'm not thinking so deeply in making these decisions myself. 
I do administration. I do grant writing and, and seek funding and these kinds of things. I care about Wikipedia. So I want people, it's not about Wikipedia, it's about sharing information. And I don't make decisions about what kind of information people share. I just want them writing. I want them producing photos. I want them educating. And I want them sharing this stuff free online with other people. I don't make a lot of decisions about what information they share. I do check to see things like if I'm supporting someone, are they collaborating with a community or are they acting alone? And I prefer people who collaborate, try to seek consensus. But if, if some community wants to share some kind of information and it's not my thing, I don't get into that. You know, I, I just want to support other people and I, I don't think very hard. I'm pretty shallow about this stuff. Just trying to do administration. I got you. I got you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist and I like to see the bright side of things. So I think within you you still got that deepness because there's the reason why you're doing this which i think is important work you know there, there's a deep deeper side to it for sure i, I think um but yeah that that well thank you for for sharing your your point of view on that um i had a question about oh yes so the work that you're doing i feel like every year i see something about net neutrality is yes, that yes yeah um can you Yes. Can, can you um, drop some knowledge on me about that? Like, how does that affect the work that you do? Or, you know, yeah. Net neutrality is the idea that the internet is a place where every everybody, anybody, individuals can publish whatever information they want and that other individuals have a fair chance of finding that. So things that would oppose net neutrality is supposing it were free to access some websites, but say, if you weren't affiliated with a corporation, if you weren't in, say, Google's walled garden or Facebook's walled garden, some big company's walled garden, then maybe it would cost money for people to access access your content. I know that right now you're, you're publishing on, on YouTube and you would expect that if somebody's searching, putting in some keywords and searching for some terms, that your show could come up, people could find your show, even if they've never heard of it, and maybe it's not possible to say that here's someone who's invested the gold amount of money. So they're gonna show up always high on results. And then there's a silver tier and then there's a community tier of people who don't have a corporate affiliation. And so there's barriers to get, getting their kinds of things. Uh, so that's net neutrality is, is everyone having a free chance to access all this information online, both, both to publish and access to, to to, to reading this this kind of content. This comes into play, say, if there's censorship in certain countries, and certainly in, in Wikipedia, we've exper experienced this. There's certain countries that at a national level, they block everyone in the country from, from reading Wikipedia, either indefinitely or for a certain period of time, or they block particular Wikipedia articles saying, this information isn't appropriate for the people in our, our country. They shouldn't have this kind of information. So we're always having these these conversations in Wikipedia. Some of the, the topics that we do, we talk about uh, sexual and reproductive health. What does it mean to be pregnant? What does it mean to access birth control? What does it mean to have a child? Uh, what does it mean to breastfeed? Uh, there's some countries that will block these kinds of articles saying that uh, you shouldn't talk about these things or it's not appropriate. We can add a layer to that. Supposing we go beyond reproductive health and talk about sexuality, there's some countries that might block access to LGBT topics or certain other topics about anything to do with sexuality. 
politics, of course, gets blocked. There's certain politicians of certain countries that if you report that they've been in scandals, which are well documented in the media, then they won't either their biographies blocked or all of Wikipedia blocked <laughs> for that reason. That the net neutrality is a commitment to anyone being able to freely choose what they to, to read and learn about whatever they want. Uh, you can put different limits on this. In, in Wikipedia, we say we're sharing general reference information. Everyone should have access to the entirety of, of Wikipedia. Some other kind of limits that, that some countries do is say, let's let's put prohibitions on gambling or prohibitions on certain kinds of illegal content. Uh, it's a spectrum. Mm. But in general, I, I want people to have free access to library resources, government resources, general reference information, and especially community discourse, people being able to meet other people in other countries and talk about whatever they want. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, that, that's definitely something I've, I've, I've kind of been uh, in the dark about, even though, you know, for me, it's always been voting for, for, new, for net neutrality. Um, does it, it feels like there's been a couple scares, though. Has it been getting close? Because the corporations kind of push for, for more control, like every year or every couple of years, right? Or th that's what it seems like. That that is what's happening. So it, it it happens in different ways. So sometimes you'll have corporations that, it's not exactly a legal approach to net neutrality, but there's certain big corporations that will go into certain countries and say, we'll give everybody free data plans on their cell phones, but they have to access our websites or you have to go into this website to access the net and then you get exposed to their media their news stories before you can access other parts of the internet so that's not a hard limit but if everybody's landing on the same few websites and getting encouraged to join a particular community then a lot of people just don't go further like some people get stuck at one social media platform and and don't move along uh, other kinds of barriers are maybe uh to what extent can you migrate other content into your language so some countries they can publish whatever they want but there's different kinds of government controls where they don't encourage people of their country to talk to people in other countries and therefore you don't have a, tra a, a transnational migration of information people are reading their regional news and not being aware of perspectives in other countries Th those are kind of soft threats to internet freedom there, there's harder threats also and i i would say that where corporate interests and, and government propaganda get mixed up, it happens in every country. It happens in the United States too. United States has, has a fake news problem, but something that we have, like you're running a YouTube show, you're getting to, to talk with whoever you want. You, you don't have a government broadcast license. You're not registered <laughs> in any particular way to, to run your different shows. And not everyone in every country is, is fortunate to be able to do this, either because you need government permission or because you don't have access to inexpensive government subsidized broadband like we do in the united states or whatever the case may be yeah wow you definitely made me more appreciative of uh my situation right now and where i'm at i know we <laughs> i'm from uh the bay area in california and um you know i feel like we always kind of talk smack about what's happening in america um like you just gave me a reason why i should appreciate it more that that i'm here in, in this great for country gratitude. of ours you know Absolutely. a lot of reasons to have gratitude for sure for sure uh kind of goes into this next scale which is uh are you more of a you know like a mr Brightside kind of person or are you more realistic should i say <laughs> no no I gotta stay positive uh 
that's individuals can make a difference and if you you put yourself out there you try to make your difference in your own way we're able to to contribute to something bigger than ourselves especially in this age of internet you can you can post on the internet you can speak on the internet and this is permanently publicly recorded i'm not saying that people need to engage in media in this way you can also just be nice to the other people in your community and that makes a better world as well but if you keep a good attitude and you try to make other people happy it just it affects everyone in the world we're in this together nice and you you segued perfectly into this last one um, which is do you think we are all one or are we individuals we're all on this spaceship together we're, we're on this earth flying through space and we're what happens to one of us it's gonna happen to all of us good or bad so we gotta we gotta eliminate problems we gotta eliminate suffering from this world and give everybody a better life i gotcha i gotcha um just kind of curious you what do you think of uh what's out there you know outside of our planet um any theories that you have of uh you know life outside of earth <laughs> i there may be life far away from here but earth is still our our number one target for space exploration should be planet earth itself some people talk about going to mars talking about terraforming mars how about we terraform the earth if we're gonna if we're gonna keep something uh, with lush greenery and healthy plant and animal life and happy humans, it should be the the earth first. I'm in favor of science advancement. I'm not in favor of space exploration for tourism or fun or for the uh, enjoyment of billionaires. I got you. <laughs> uh, I got you. you know, because there's so, there's so much poverty and suffering in this world, and our number one priority should be should be taking care of that. If there were if there were alien life out there, gosh, I'd want to send them an encyclopedia of everything we know about Earth and exchange cultures, and I would ask them for theirs. That'd be my first question to aliens, please. Like, <laughs> give us the record of your culture. Let's exchange notes. I got gotcha. you. Uh, you know, sometimes I want. You know, there's a lot of theories out there, but I wonder, what if the aliens know a lot more about us than we know about ourselves? You know, and we like. <laughs> Uh, they, they might have studied us a long time ago. Who knows? Well, let's not jump into that rabbit hole. Um, let's move on to the questions. You said you wanted to choose some numbers and, and spin some. Where would you like to start? I don't know what I'm doing. Lucky number seven. This is how it goes. I pick a number. Yeah. Lucky number seven. Uh, would you like to go easy, medium, or hard? Let me ask you that. Let's start e easy, then we'll go medium, and then we'll go hard. I got you. First. <laughs> well, the, the first one, seven easy, is what change would you like to see in the world? Oh, gosh. Uh, net neutrality, I suppose. That's the field that, field that I work in. I want everybody to have access to free information to inform their decisions and, and make their lives better. I also want everyone to have a voice to talk about whatever issue concerns them in their community. Uh, whether that means if they see an injustice or a problem in their community, they make a YouTube video or make a post. I want everybody to feel heard and be represented in, in government and shared decision making. And I think the Internet's a big part of the way to do that. I, I guess one, one specific change, I'd like all of Wikipedia translated into every language in the world, because right now there's a serious imbalance and injustice where English language speakers have better access to media. And people in lower and middle income countries who speak other languages, they don't have this kind of access. 
translating Wikipedia would be relatively inexpensive as compared to other things you can do for international development. And we got to do this sooner or later. And I, I think the time is, is now to make sure that everybody has free, easy to access online resources for any topic that they might want to search for. For for someone who wanted to translate, is it would they have to like you know type it out or put in their own words or could could it be you know we we copy and paste it into a translator you know um, yeah is is it as easy as that or do we really need like you know a real translator out there? This is a thing that Wikipedia community members do. So Wikipedia, it's a volunteer community organization. We're collectively writing this stuff. We also collectively translate this stuff. Wikipedia, it's, it's pretty well developed in about 300 languages. Uh, and there's a few thousand languages total. I don't know how many we're actually gonna translate everything into. A, a lot of these people who are doing this, so I, I develop medical articles and try to make them understandable for a general audience. I work with teenagers in other countries. These are high school kids and they do the best they can. And I try to arrange for expert review of their translations, but you can be a, a teenager in some of these countries. And if you know English and you know your local language, you do the translation and suddenly you're it on the internet. If someone's searching for that disease or drug or medical condition, they're gonna find your stuff. Teenagers have never been so powerful in human history is to be able to sit at home in their bedrooms and become the leading medical authority for their country. That is pretty bananas that you said you work with teenagers doing this and there's a lot of teenagers edi editing Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. I think I think that's important. Like that's crazy how they're doing it for their countries and you know how they value information. Um yeah, definitely not the American way sometimes. <laughs> uh but yeah. Wow. And uh, do you think, so you, you had talked about net, net neutrality. Um, do you think there's always going to be opposition? Like there's like, we're, I'm going to see that, that notification every year of like, you know, make sure to vote, make sure to, to fight against this. Or at some point, our, our, our corporation is just going to fold and say, you know what, fine, you guys can have the internet. <laughs> We had this crazy experiment in the United States and Europe of establishing the internet. Uh, so the, the web didn't come come about until the 90s. It's it, The internet's one thing that's email and the web and apps and, and all these applications. The web where you, you browse around and look for information, that's, that's relatively new. And it, the idea was that anyone can publish anything. It might not have turned out that way. And in the 90s and in the 2000s, people thought, it's always gonna be so wild. People are always gonna be doing this. How can anyone capture the entirety of the internet? But in practice, that's that's happened in a lot of ways. If you look at the most trafficked websites, the websites that get the most number of views or the most number of people visiting them in any given day, there's really only a few of them that are nonprofit. I think I can list off most of the ones in the top, top 500. Wikipedia, it's been a top 10 website and it's nonprofit. So there's no advertising on Wikipedia. That's very unusual. The corporation doesn't own it. It's been a top 10 for most of the past 20 years. Uh, something else up there is something called Internet Archive, archive.org. They're running, they don't have people writing original content like Wikipedia, but they accept documents and videos and photos, a library archive books. So they're cataloging things that are already have already been published and not accepting original publication 
like Wikipedia accepts original publication. We're almost out of nonprofit websites. So there's there's Firefox, which is Mozilla, which is is nonprofit because they they share the Firefox browser, but that's not a general information source. Uh, the Pirate Bay may or may not be nonprofit, so they've got a mission, and they're very activist about it. This is a website in Sweden. You can you can read about their mission to get people movies and 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 game content. Uh, the Postal Service, United States Postal Service, which isn't nonprofit, they're governmental, but it's at least not corporate. We've got BBC.com and BBC.co.uk, which is the British news service. It's funded by government. At least it's not so corporate, even though it has many corporate relations. Uh, I think we're about at the end. NIH uh, has PubMed, the medical service research service in the United States of the National Institutes of Health. Someone else can look this up. There's different websites. Amazon's Alexa service, they rank they rank websites by popularity. Uh, there's different other companies that do this, Coms, Comscore, uh, SimilarWeb. Uh, but that's kind of it for the nonprofit sector. And if, if Wikipedia were to fail, and Internet Archive were to fail, that's kind of the brick wall that's holding back the wave of corporatization among Corporates, corporations just putting information into people's heads and there's there's nowhere else to go. Like everywhere you go on the internet, you have to look at these ads, you have to, your time is giving a nickel to some billionaire somewhere for everything you do. It's all gonna be cataloged and then reported to government to corporations for advertising information. There's not a lot of opportunity on the internet to just say, leave me alone. I wanna do my own thing and not be observed. And I, I don't wanna, I, I just wanna talk with other people instead of talking to a corporation. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very scared of someday losing the public space online. Oh man! It, I mean, the way you described it, it feels like we already lost it. <laughs> and we're, we, got, we're, we got to fight positive, positive sunny skies. What'd you say, Mister yeah, Bright? Yeah, you're right. We're all in this together. <laughs> we we are all in this together. But damn, I, I didn't. I guess I didn't know how how bad it was. And you know, ignorance is bliss. And I've been pretty ignorant about it. <laughs> but uh. You, oh. you, YouTube is a great platform. I really appreciate the opportunity that people give to do broadcasting and, and, and have conversations. I hope it's always like this. I hope it's always so free. Oh, I hope so too. I don't know what I would do, you know, if, if it wasn't. It's really given me an opportunity to, to you know, to host this show in, in my vision, you know, without really anything um, affecting it from the outside. But yeah, hopefully, I, I just hope, like you said, it just remains as pure as it is right now. Uh, we'll we'll see though the algorithm it's funny like I feel like that's the biggest concern about YouTube is like oh we gotta figure out the alg algorithm um, instead of you know being blocked but uh, yeah go ahead and uh, throw me another number unlucky 13 unlucky 13 still easy 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 let's let's do another easy one alright uh, what do you look for in a leader <clears throat> Leaders, leaders give. A leader is not someone who has accumulated resources and is sitting on them and making decisions themselves. A leader is someone who's accumulating resources to distribute to others, to give away power. The more power and resources a person is given away, the better a leader they are. They should be thoughtful in doing this. They shouldn't give away power indiscriminately. I appreciate people who they're in a place in their life and they, they do give to charity thoughtfully. Uh, that's a sort of leadership. The, the more direct kind of leadership is directly funding particular projects that they know a lot about and trying to trying to change the world for the better. 
that's that's leader to me. Have um, how have how would you say you've been a leader in, in your life? Well, I work in academia, which means I'm not making as much money as I could be making if I were somewhere else. Definitely, if I was in the corporate sector, I'd have a lot more power and be able to practice this kind of leadership more. Of course, in the corporate sector, I'd have a lot more constraints on the decisions I could make. I'd you know, have to use my money to hire awful people to do awful things. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have much money and I don't get to exercise so much of this leadership being at a, univer at a university. Um, I'd like to think that if I had money, I'd hire the right people to do the right things. I gotcha, I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds like you're doing what, what you can with what you got, though. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, keep doing that. Um, go ahead and you want to continue choosing numbers or would you like to go to the to the wheel? Let's let's do a wheel for the easy one. All right. Let's let's try it out. Here we go. And oh, yeah, if there's any question that you feel like, you know, you want to pass on, feel free. Um, don't feel like you're pressured to, to answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, moving on up to medium. So. Oh, medium. Okay. Wow. Okay. Eleven medium, is uh. So this one is, when did your stream of consciousness begin? And so the way I kind of phrase this question, because I know it can be hard to understand, but I guess when did you feel like your innocence was gone? Like when. There's always that point when we're when we feel like a kid and then up to a certain point like boom we start feeling guilty about life and what we're doing so for you when did you think that started to begin i i i know i've got a, a common answer many people have this answer uh i grew up in rural southeast texas a farming community and when i was a teenager i figured out that i was gay and this wasn't socially acceptable in my community. I didn't know what was going on. There was a time before I figured out that I was gay, that I thought, I'm just like everybody else. I'm a part of my community. I can do things that other people in the community are doing. And being LGBT, suddenly I don't have control of my life in the same way. I'm not allowed to participate in society in the same way. There's hostility and it's directed at me. Uh, because of this and at that point I felt like an outsider I felt like I was different I felt like I was in danger and this is something that happens it used to happen more to LGBT people in the United States things are changing very quickly in, in a big part because of the internet uh, it used to be possible that when someone was LGBT the people in their community will, would say you're the only person in the whole world that's LGBT hmm. And there, there was no evidence to the contrary. Of course, now you can go on the internet and find out actually there's LGBT people in different places. You get lots of information about this. And there's still countries where people don't have good access to internet. LGBT people have a hard time like people used to have a hard time in the United States. But when that happened, I felt like I grew up really quick mm. because the world was no longer safe and there was not as much place for me in my community. And that, thank you for opening up. Um, when you were at that age, did you find a place 
that you felt you know more comfortable with with being yourself or was it just really hard to to even find a place like that at that time i what i i moved from rural southeast texas to seattle which is a couple thousand kilometers a thousand miles away i didn't know anybody there I just picked a big city that was as far away as possible and I moved to it. So that was another privilege that I have being in the United States because in the United States, you can go from San Francisco to Seattle, to New York, to Florida, to Texas, everybody's speaking English. When you, I, I happen to have a rural accent. I don't have it anymore. When I got to Seattle, people knew I had an accent, but I got rid of it. <laughs> it it's not like, if I was in a country in cent Central Asia and moved a thousand miles away, they'd be speaking a different culture, a, a different language, it'd be a different culture, different food, different religion, different everything. A person can go wherever they want in the United States and they're, they're still gonna be recognized as an American, someone in the United States. So I had the privilege to be able to go to another city and, and start over, uh, do a different thing in a place where I found other LGBT people. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, yeah, thank you for, for sharing your journey. Um, would you like to give another spin or choose another number? Can we? Let's do a spin. Do a spin? All right. Yep. Uh, just before we do that, just want to give you a heads up. We have about 10, 15 minutes left in the interview. Um, wow. It's been breezing by. I hope you've been enjoying it. I, I've been enjoying it as well. <laughs> it's fun. All right. Here we go. Oof, going for a hard this time. Okay. Five hard. And then, you know, you were you were talking about, you know, growing up. This one is, have you ever been bullied? Oh God, yes. I was I was bullied in high school. It was it was pretty rough. Hmm. Do you uh, mind talking about it or? Yeah, being being perceived as being LGBT, so. The, the situation was, nowadays, kids in the United States, they just wouldn't understand. It's not possible for someone to be unaware. So I was I was a teenager in the 90s, for, for context. Uh, uh, I, it, everyone nowadays knows what it means to be gay or straight. There's this vocabulary and these words that you have. And somehow from TV and movies or from society, you know someone who's LGBT, it's not a completely foreign concept. It used to be that if you were LGBT, you were just dropped in this, this earth and had never met a gay person or didn't know anything about it. And then you just wake up one day and you figure out you're gay or no, here's how it happens. Everyone else figures out you're gay before you do. And they say, you're gay, you're gay, you're gay. And you think, no, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Somehow people can figure these things out. Like somehow your peers and your society and your community, they get different ideas. And gay people or people who are perceived to be gay, they can, they can be bullied. Like anyone can be bullied. You don't have to be gay to be bullied. But LGBT people, they can especially be the targets for being different. Yeah. I... Also, something else, I, I don't think this happens so much to kids nowadays, uh, but in the 90s, kids could kids could punch and slap each other in, in high school. There weren't cops in the high school. There's all kinds of violence. 
I think you. nowadays high schools are they're less violent or if somebody gets hit maybe they'd call the police I, I don't know what they do but I I just felt a lot of danger in high school and experienced some of this violence in the form of, of slapping and bullying and gym class and the locker room and the halls and I felt very alone and it wasn't a pleasant experience I gotcha uh, thank, thank you for sharing again um, well how did you kind of you know I guess deal with it when when it was happening you know was there any were you able to cope with it in a positive way or you know was it just a really big challenge for you at that time i'm still not over it i resented it for my whole life i felt this is so unfortunate that's one of the reasons why i edit wikipedia i edit wikipedia about lgbt topics because i feel like if I put this information inside a Wikipedia article, then I'm actually sending it back in time to myself because this is the information I wanted when I was a teenager. And by putting it in Wikipedia, I can send it to the other people who are looking for this information, young young people or older people or anybody who wants this information. It's gonna better inform their decisions, make them more compassionate and keep that kind of experience happening from other people. I still feel bad when I think about what I experienced. And I just don't want that to happen to anyone else. I got you, man. And uh, I'm, I, I can't help but apologize for bringing it up. But uh, thank thank you again for, for being open to share, share your story. Um, all right, we're moving back into the main stage. We made it to the final stretch of the podcast. Um, just have a few concluding questions for you. This, okay. this next one is, how would you like to be honored? If I was going to tell myself today, you know, I'm going to do uh, an act in the honor of Lane, what, what could I do um, to honor you, man? That's pretty easy. I would say publish media on the internet, just whatever is important to you. The, ca- the catch-all that I tell people is edit something on Wikipedia. That's because of the kind of people I'm around. They tend to be librarian types or, or researcher types. Uh, if I spend more time around YouTubers, you know, people like you, I would say post a video to YouTube about something that's important to you. I feel like media matters a lot. And I feel like if people represent themselves and publish it, it's online and forever. Try to get yourself properly published in a place that's going to archive your work forever. But if you're not representing yourself, some corporation is going to represent you. So try, try to publish something that's meaningful to you and get your perspective out. That's how you can honor me. Well, I got you, man. And, and now now we all know what we could do. Uh, you said media matters. Uh, can you kind of elaborate on that? Why, why does media matter so much? Well, I, I've said it before. So if uh, there's not local journalists and the local news media that existed a couple of decades ago and, and on back centuries, it, local news doesn't exist anymore. So increasingly national or multinational corporations are trying to tell the stories of local people. And you just aren't gonna find fair representation from a big corporation that's not like a community effort. And the reason why this happening happens is that large corporations, they have access to technology. They're pulling out resources from local communities, pulling out the money, and that, that, that strangles the local journalism and the local people's interaction with each other. So if you're watching this, this national or international media, 
your eyeball time is valuable. Your attention is valuable. And when you're giving your attention to corporations, that means you're not giving attention to your community and to your people. Uh, it, it matters what consumer choices you make about the media you watch and how you spend your time. Your time is the most valuable thing you have. And you should spend it on people who care about you and not corporations that don't. I got you. You're making me more mindful of the media I consume now. Um, I just, you know, it's funny, maybe a couple months ago, I heard about this newsletter in one of the neighborhoods where, where I live at. Like, it just started, it's new, and, you know, they're just dropping off samples in, in people's uh, in mailboxes. But, you know, it's one of those things where my parents were like, oh, it's just another ad, you know, ready to toss it out without even looking at it, which I think is a big challenge for for like local media right it's 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 because you don't have cnn on there a lot less people are just gonna you know take their time to check it out <laughs> uh yeah no you sorry that was just a tangent on my end um for sure my my next question for you is actually from my previous guest so shout out to christiana for her question and she would like to ask you what are you doing right now that makes you feel free and alive I go for right right now. Well, today I make sure that I, I go exercise every day. Uh, I typically go jogging. I sometimes go biking, but I feel like I concentrate so much and I work so hard. And you got to make time for your health. Have good exercise, some outside time, if at all possible. Spend some time in nature. Like don't look at the screen, and don't even look at books. You need to look at some trees. Try to look at a bird, some wildlife and eat some healthy food uh, self-care you're not whatever goals you have in life if you don't take time to take care of yourself you're not going to achieve your goals uh, get some exercise for sure um are you more of a like natural sounds person or you like to listen to music as as you do your runs uh natural sounds person yeah okay because time away from the electronic stuff every once in a while <laughs> I got you. I, I was gonna ask uh, if you had like a, a pump up jam, you know, for yourself, a, a song that really gets you motivated or, you know, ready to for the run. Is there anything like that for you? Or I I listen to these tracks by lo whatever community artists, unpaid artists that are just like beats to study by, beats to do your writing to. Uh, I love these streams. I never had access to this kind of music before, and now it seems so popular now. And I'm grateful for these like multi-hour streams of peaceful oh, beats. Yeah, yes. yeah, the lo-fi, <laughs> uh, for sure. And my next question for you is, what would you like to ask the next guest that comes down to 34 questions? Uh, what are you doing to make the world a better place? Gotcha. I'm just gonna write down real quick. What are you doing to make the world a better place? I gotcha. And uh, my last question for you, the question that ties everything together, you know, generations down the road, 100, maybe 200 years from now, our descendants are watching this video. What would you like to tell them? I'm just one of many. Don't listen to my story. Try to pick up the story from the entire generation. I gotcha. I gotcha. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do. And I guess that's a difficult thing. Like as much as, you know, I, I like putting people's stories out there, um, 
it'll be hard to listen to every single story and hopefully people just find other folks that they gravitate towards or they find interesting just to be able to pick those things out from us their ancestors hopefully one day uh but yeah any uh, last things you'd like to add before we head out of here this was so much fun thank you for having me for sure, Lane. It was, it was great having you on. Um, thank you for being so open. I, I felt like there's a couple of things in there that were, are, are difficult topics to talk about, but uh, you were able to share, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, so thank you again for your time and, and the energy you brought to the show. I want to thank the folks out there who are listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube. Appreciate y'all too. Uh, if you liked it, please like it. If you loved it, please subscribe and share. Um, Remember to reach out, reach forward. As always, much love. And we'll catch you guys next time on 34 Questions. Peace. And then I have my little end credit scene right here. Uh, Just wanted to ask, how did that feel? Well, how was the experience of uh, doing an interview for you? It felt great. You're a great host. Thank you. It was nice talking with you. I appreciate that. It's, it's definitely something I'm still working on, uh, <laughs> as you can probably tell, but, you know, it's a growth process. Um, so thank you for bearing with me. Um, thank you for being a building block to this thing that, you know, I'm trying to build. And each guest that comes on just helps me, you know, make it bigger and bigger. You know, I, I looked up the world record for, you know, most people interviewed. I, I looked that up too. I heard you talking about that in, in an episode. What did, what did you find? I found, so Oprah Winfrey, she was a talk show host for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then this guy named uh, Charlie Rose for PBS. He was about 30 years. There's this guy, Melvin Bragg for BBC's In Our Time show. He's done about a thousand radio shows. Like what, <laughs> what's, what, who, who's had the most guests? Yeah. So I'm so happy that you told me that because I did not yeah. find that stuff in my research. And honestly, I didn't do too much. I, I looked, I went to the Guinness World of Records website, yeah. searched it up and no one's claimed it as far as yeah. like, you know, that very specific, most, most people interviewed kind of a title. So yeah, I mean, it's up for grabs. And I'm, for me as a regular person trying to do this, I feel like I'm just trying to have that evidence and that presents it to the Guinness World of Records and be like, hey.